time, we're continuing our study of the Gospel of Mark. And today is Mark chapter 9. This is actually week three of looking at Mark chapter 9. There's a lot of stuff in here. And you've been hearing me and Pastor Steve talk about this stuff for a while. But today we're in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 30 and see how far we can go. Maybe we can finish this chapter today. But we're studying these passages, seeing what it is that we have to learn from the Lord. And, and here's what's coming, okay? Here's what I'm going to be talking about for the next little bit here this morning and what you're going to see in the Scripture. Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he is really beginning to invest in his disciples. He's really starting to teach them and give them lessons that are going to carry them through their ministry when he's not here anymore. So Jesus is teaching his disciples in this set of texts that their way of thinking about what matters and about who matters is backward. Some of the people these disciples have dismissed deserve great care and attention, and some of the people they admire are not so great. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples about this, and at the end of the sermon today, I'm going to ask you to think about your own values and your priorities. I'm going to ask you to consider what matters most to you and who matters most to you and whether those are the correct values. That's where we're headed. But here we are as we get into the scripture, Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Jesus and his disciples, they left that place, so they're moving on. They passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. I think they were afraid to ask him about it because this is the second time he told them this, and they still didn't get it. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, someone you didn't know, and, and you ask them their name, and they said it, and maybe they mumbled, or, or maybe they didn't say it very clearly, or maybe there's a lot of background noise, and you didn't get their name, and you said, excuse me, what was your name? And they tell you again, have you ever missed it again? <laughs> Are any of you so bold as to ask a third time? I, I'm sorry, what was, or do you just smile? All right, well, nice to see you, buddy, right? Here are these disciples Earlier in Mark chapter 8, Jesus told them, the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man is going to be persecuted, is going to die on a cross, be dead for three days, and rise again. And the disciples didn't get it, and you can tell they didn't get it because before long they were arguing amongst themselves about their own perspectives. That was the first time he gave that lesson. Here, he's giving this lesson again and says almost exactly the same thing. You see it here in verse 31. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They'll kill him, and after three days he will rise. And the disciples, verse 32, you see what it says, they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. I'll bet they remembered him saying it before. They just didn't get it. And so for those of you who are in the room who might feel like confused disciples, those of you in the room who say you are following Jesus, but there are times that you don't get it, I say you are in good company. Don't give up. Don't be frustrated. Keep digging in. Because even these guys who were so close to Jesus at this point for two, two and a half years, there were things that they missed because Jesus is bringing some revolutionary stuff. Church, hang in there, even if there's things that you feel like you're missing. Jesus' disciples continue on. They're traveling. It says in verse 33, they came to Capernaum. When Jesus was in the house, he asked them, Oh, here's, here's a fun grown-up thing to do. He asked him, he says, hey, uh, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because 
on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. So here is Jesus speaking. He says, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to die, I'm going to for three days be dead, and then I'm going to rise. They said nothing because they didn't get it. Now, when they do talk, they're saying such foolish things when Jesus asks about it, again, silence, nothing. You see this teaching and responding going back and forth. Why were they quiet? Well, this time it's because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And that's a pretty foolish thing to admit to Jesus Christ when he's standing right in front of you. Jesus says, what were you arguing about? Oh, well, Jesus, we were arguing about who was the greatest. And I can just imagine Jesus standing there. I don't know if Jesus rolled his eyes, but I like to think that he did. (laughs) So what did you all decide? Which of you is the greatest? It's kind of like when all the boys wrestle to try to figure out who's strongest, and dad comes over and says, okay, who won? Now, would you like a chance to take on the man? I don't know. Like I said, I want to be careful not to read too much into this, but here we see these disciples arguing about who was the greatest. These disciples who, in last week's lesson, were revealed that they were not able to cast out the demon that Jesus had to cast out. In the presence of Jesus, they argue about who's the greatest. Sitting down, verse 35, Jesus called these 12, and he said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Hans, let's keep that on the screen for a little bit, okay? Jesus sits down like rabbis did, taking time to teach these men privately. He's been looking for a quiet place because he's got things that he wants to say. He doesn't want the crowd pressing in around him. And now here he is speaking to his disciples, and he starts out. He leads with anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, again, I I mentioned it just in passing a moment ago. Do you remember what this group has just been through? We read in earlier chunks of Mark chapter 9 that there was a demon that these disciples, or at least a group of them, couldn't drive out. Do you recall, Jesus had been up on the mountain with Peter and James and John, and he was transfigured. He spoke with Elijah, and he spoke with Moses, and all that was happening. Well, the other disciples were down at the bottom of the mountain, and a man with a son who was possessed by a demon came to them, and they couldn't cast out the demons, even though the disciples had done this kind of thing before. And so Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down off the mountain. There's this whole hubbub, and Jesus says, oh, Guys, this kind of demon can only be cast out by prayer. And so Jesus does that. They move on. Now there's teaching. Now there's instruction. Now Jesus is unpacking it all. So these guys have just been through this humiliating thing. They've just been through this thing where it's been revealed that Jesus is indeed the greatest thing. Now they argue about which of them is the greatest. And Jesus says, you want to be great? Be last. What is Jesus saying here? He judges greatness by service. Anyone who wants to be the first must be the last and the servant of all. I think one thing that we can remember here and that could be helpful for us as a whole church is that Jesus isn't just about individual people getting ahead. He's about communities of people moving forward. He's saying, disciples, it's not about you guys making a big deal of yourselves. It's about, it's about all of you pushing forward together. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25 It's fun. When we're dealing with the Gospels, they they talk about the life and the work of Jesus. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of them tell the story of Jesus in slightly different ways. They have different angles. They all see Jesus' story from different perspectives, but they align with each other and give us clarity. In the book of Matthew, Jesus 
tells this story near the end of his ministry. He said, one day the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. And Jesus, in telling that story, says that the righteous will answer that king and say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger? When did we see you needing clothes? When did we visit you in prison? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. That's a lesson that Matthew records Jesus teaching, and and it really reflects pretty closely to what Jesus is telling his disciples now in the gospel of Mark. Jesus says, look, you want to be great? You You want to be where God wants you to be? What do you do? You serve those who need serving. And to drive home the point, it says in verse 36 of Mark chapter 9 that Jesus took a little child and he placed it among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to these disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. I'm sorry. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Jesus says, you look after these children, you are doing the work of God. Now, just a little bunny trail, something you can talk about at lunch today. Jesus has been working with his disciples. He's been looking for a private place to teach them. Now he sits down and he's having this lesson with them. Where did this kid come from? There are some scholars who suggest that this was one of Peter's children. You know, some of these disciples had families. And just something to keep in mind, Peter is the source for Mark's gospel. Eh, Something to think about. Jesus was laying low with his disciples. He takes a child, puts it in their midst. And he says, look, you have got to look after even these children. Now, children then were not revered the way that they are now. One could argue that many modern parents are slaves to their children afraid to correct them or tell them no, more concerned with being their friend than being their parent. Now, I know none of you are that kind of parents, but you've seen it before, right? It's what your brother-in-law does. It's how your sister-in-law acts. You don't have to go very far outside of the family usually to be able to make these accusations, do you? Children were not revered in Jesus' time the way that they are now. Rabbis in Jesus' time would not have had the children come forward for children's church. In fact, rabbis thought it was a waste of time to teach the Torah to children that were under the age of 12. I know some of you who teach our first, second, and third graders wonder if your work is a waste of time as well. It's not. You're doing crucial work. You are living out the commands of Jesus. But remember, in this time 2,000 years ago, children were not loved and appreciated quite the way that that they are today. In Jesus' time, children were basically property. Children were often a nuisance, another mouth to feed. But what does Jesus do? Takes the child in his arms and esteems him and shows the disciples his value. And then John, the disciple, goes on this little bunny trail interruption. Jesus is teaching this lesson and and the student pipes up. Verse 38 of Mark chapter 9, teacher, said John. We saw someone driving out demons in your name. We told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us 
is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus is teaching his disciples about how people matter. Jesus has been telling them that if they want to be great, they've got to be the last and they've got to be the servant of all. Jesus gives them an object lesson, takes a child in their midst, says, even the children, look, even after the children. And now here's John and saying, yeah, but there's these other guys casting out demons in your name, but we don't know who they are. Do you see Do you see the pattern here? These disciples keep saying that they've got this narrow view of the world and Jesus is saying, no, I want you to see things more broadly. This is why he says, look, anybody who's working in my name, they can't in the next moment say anything bad. If you want to check this, you want to add to the things you want to talk about at lunchtime, go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 22. In Mark 3.22, the teachers of the law came down from Jerusalem. They challenged Jesus in the beginning of his ministry. They said, Jesus is possessed by Beelzebub, possessed by the devil, right? They said, by the prince of demons, Jesus is driving out the demons. Jesus called the disciples over to him, began to speak to them in parables. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? A little bit later in Mark chapter 3, there was a crowd sitting around Jesus They said, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mothers and brothers, Jesus asked. He looked at those seated in a circle around and said, here are my mothers and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is rearranging the disciples' ideas of who is in and who is out. Those people don't know the disciples, but they're casting out demons in Jesus' name. Jesus says, great. There are people nearby who are his mother and brothers. Jesus says, no, everybody who believes in me is my mother and my brother. Jesus is trying to open their view so that they can see that the list of people who deserve their service is unending. And now Jesus goes a little further. He draws attention back to the child. Verse 42 of Mark chapter 9. If anyone causes one of these little ones, and you've heard this before, haven't you? Anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it'd be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. What is Jesus teaching here in these 12 verses that we've read and studied this morning? Jesus is teaching that his disciples are supposed to be servants of all. They don't just serve the people who they think are important. They don't just serve each other, and they certainly don't serve themselves. Jesus says you want to be great, be the servant of all. Jesus also told his disciples, and it's helpful for us, especially those of us who tend to be at the same church congregation almost all the time, it's helpful for us to know that people who are working in the name of Jesus are on the right track, no matter who they are, where they are, where they come from, and whether we even know them. Are any of you here today and you don't really know anybody? I hope that when you leave today, you can evaluate everything that happened and said, well, did it honor God? Did it give praise to Jesus? There's a measure for you. It's one that I take seriously. Jesus said, look, people who are working in the name of Jesus are on the right track. If you're not against us, you're for us. Jesus also taught in these couple of verses that even people who can only give a cup of water matter. Their service matters. I know there are some of you in this room who have incredible gifts, and you are using them for the Lord in ways that other people can only look at and wish about. But I know that there are others of you in this room who feel like you kind of don't have anything to give. You might not say that out loud if someone were to ask you. But I know there are those of you who feel broken or common or 
immature or young or, or just like you're starting out and, and what in the world could you do for the Lord? Jesus says, look, even if you can give someone a cup of water in my name, you're serving me and the Lord who sent me. I think that's an important lesson for us to remember too, isn't it? And then I just had a fourth thing that it seems like Jesus was teaching his disciples. He keeps coming back to these children and I think Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us that children matter and that we ought to teach them well. Children are not just a hassle, even though sometimes children are a hassle. Children are not just problems, even though sometimes our children cause us problems. Jesus says, no, even these children, they need to hear about him too. Now, I told you at the beginning of the sermon that I was going to ask you a few questions about your own values and priorities, right? Well, here we circle back around. I want to ask you, who matters the very most in your life? Who is the person or the people or the group of people who you find it easy to serve? Who are those people? Just think about them for a moment. Who's getting your time? Who's getting your best time? Not your worn out, end of the day, this is all I have to give time. But who is getting your best time? Who is getting your best energy? What pursuits are getting the most of you? Are you giving your time and your energy the way that Jesus challenged his disciples? Are you serving even the least of these, or are you just serving those people who can help you to get ahead? Are you the servant of all, or are you trying to put yourself forward? These are big, important questions to ask. I told you earlier today that I have some friends who are here in the room today. I didn't expect to see them, but I did, and there's, there's more than one family that falls into this category, so I hope none of you will feel embarrassed, but there are, there are men in this room who are fantastic pastors who I admire and respect a great deal. And when I knew that they were here today, it put a different kind of a weight on my shoulders because I want to show them that I'm good. I want to show them that I'm good at what I do. There are a few men here and a few ladies here who are really, really excellent musicians and worship leaders. And today is a day that I happen to be playing the guitar and singing up front. And when I saw them here, it put a little bit of an extra intentionality in me to say, boy, I'd like to do this well and not make a fool out of myself. Do you know why I had those thoughts this morning? And as I was sitting over here and as Anthony was going through devotions, I was thinking about this. And, and so I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. And, and I hope this isn't too um, uh, disappointing. <laughs> But um, it's amazing to me, with all the things that I've been through, the things that I've learned, it's amazing to me how much I still care about what people think. Sometimes it disappoints me how much I care about what people think. And what I intend to do with my life is to be a pastor who is following God's call, doing whatever God calls me to do, and serving anyone who comes into my path, whatever their needs may be. Because if they've come into my path, God has directed them there. That's my intention. But I will tell you, there are times when even as I'm doing that, part of my motivation is to impress somebody else. 
because I care what they think. I've been instructed today by these words of Jesus that I've been studying all week. You want to be great? Put yourself last and serve everybody. You want to be important? Look after the children. Oh, God. Today might just be all for me. I feel like God has given me opportunities to practice the stuff that I've been studying and he's driven it home in a way that kind of blows me away. I am so glad that we get to do this church thing together as we all learn, as I learn and grow, and as I watch you learn and grow. Let me just tell you that you are not the only ones who might be saying today, I need to make some changes. I get off course from time to time. I lose my focus moment by moment. Sometimes I am selfish. You're not the only one. The disciples did too. I do too. But here's the thing. Jesus loves us so much that he keeps calling us back. Jesus loves us so much that even the terrible, painful death that he predicted, he went through with it so that we could be forgiven of the sins and the attitudes and the mistakes that are ours. Jesus died on the cross so that he could take all of our junk upon himself. And he died to pay for my sins and yours. Now, lots of people have died. Lots of people died on the cross. But where Jesus really showed who he was was three days later when he rose from the grave, victorious over all that death, victorious over all that sin, victorious over all the dumb things that you and I have done, all the evil things that we've chosen to be part of. Jesus loves us that much, and he even calls out to us now, if your life is out of whack, come to me, and I will help you to get things right. I feel like Jesus is still speaking to us and teaching us with the same kind of grace that he showed to these disciples. What matters most in your life? Who is getting your time? Who is getting your attention? Who is getting your energy? Are you doing it the way that Jesus instructed these disciples to do it? Think well about this, church. And if you're not sure, if you're confused, if you can't really see your life very clearly, just ask the people around you. If you're married, ask your husband or your wife, am I giving you the time and energy and attention that you deserve? And after you ask them the question, listen to their answer. I'm looking at you, husbands. Talk to your kids, especially if they're still in your house and you have an opportunity to be right there with them. Ask them, am I... Am I looking after you the way that you need? Not the way that you want me to, but the way that you need me to? Ask your kids who are old enough to give you feedback. How could I be a better dad? How could I be a better mom? Better grandparent, aunt, uncle, caregiver. They can help you to see how you're spending your time. And if you don't have those groups to talk to, or if you get mixed messages, just come back and talk to the person who's beside you today. Look to the person at the end of your row. They've watched you for about an hour now as you deal with the people around you. And I'll bet they could have a pretty good sense of whether you're on the right track or whether you've just got yourself wrapped up in your own little world. Ask the people around you what they see in you, and that may give you some clarity to know whether you need to make any adjustments 
to get in line with the teachings of Jesus, who told his disciples, who were pretty great, he told them, look, if you want to really be great, serve everybody. If you really want to be first someday, be last. And let yourself be used by the Lord, not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the God of the universe. Will you pray with me, church? Lord, help us, help us in our humanity to turn to you for salvation and guidance and life. Lord, forgive us for the times when we have elevated the opinions of others too highly. Forgive us of the times we've played to the crowd. Lord, please forgive us of the times when we've given extra attention to those who can help us to climb the ladder. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've shown favoritism in a way that was self-serving. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And Jesus, we thank you for having the power to rise from the grave, showing us that indeed you do have power over life and death. Jesus, thank you for being our Savior. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit in an even more powerful manner. Holy Spirit, come. Fill up our hearts and our minds. Guide our spirits and our wills that we might be more in line with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Creator, God in heaven. Holy Spirit, help us to live out this teaching that today we look at and say, yeah, that makes sense. Help us to live it out in our lives, actually serving each other, actually serving those who we may see as outsiders, actually serving those who are insignificant in our own eyes, serving those who can't help us. Lord, help us to serve them. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who invested their time and their energy to be here today to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have to learn and study and pray and sing and worship you together. We love you, Lord. Amen. Church, will you stand and sing with us as we praise our everlasting Father.